2: Welcome to Mom and Dad Are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, April 14th, the College Indecision Edition. I'm Zach Rosen. I host another show. It's called The Best Advice Show, featuring your best advice. I live in Detroit with my family. Noah is four, and my son Ami is one.
0: I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom to three littles Henry, who's 10, Oliver, who's 7, and Teddy, who's 5. And we live in Colorado Springs, Colorado.
2: Today on the show, we're talking about one of the most stressful decisions in a teen's life. Should you go to college? And if so, where? We've got a letter about a teen who is stuck trying to decide between two schools. How can you help your teen decide when the decision is more complicated than which one do you like best? Then on Slate Plus, we're talking about Passover and Easter traditions in our homes. Here's a sneak peek if you do have Slate Plus. We start at like 9.30 and like we're done at like one two in the morning and i grew up you know doing like a 45 minute like brisk brisk <laughs> yeah. seder with my family you know we're we're out by seven forty-five, you know and i'm probably turning right. on the, the tv highlights. at eight yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but this is a whole new thing and it's actually really fun we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back we'll dive into our triumphs and fails of the week
1: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC.
0: If you're new to our show, welcome. Whether you're a parent, educator, or just interested in this wild journey, we're so glad to have you. Here on Mom and Daughter Fighting, we share our parenting triumphs and fails, offer some advice, and share recommendations of things we love. We're here twice a week on Monday and Thursday, so subscribe to never miss an episode.
2: Okay, let's move on to some parenting stories. Elizabeth? What do you got for us this week?
0: Okay, so Henry's birthday was last week, and so we threw him a birthday party, which, of course, because of COVID, we haven't done. And then also, we have this weird thing where, like, because we move, there are years in which we arrive (laughs) and don't know anyone. (laughs) So on the years where he has a lot of friends or we're someplace um, where we can do something. We try to really do that. So this year, of course, he's in school. He has all these friends. He wanted to have a scavenger hunt. So Jeff and I put together a list of challenges for the kids to do around this cool mountain town called Manitou Springs. And it was such a joy. You know, I'm always worried when we plan these things and they're 10. Like, are they gonna be too cool? Are they gonna be embarrassed? But we had the the, the most wonderful group of children and um, they did things like run a city block with a balloon between their legs. They performed an impromptu concert of Encanto for strangers. They sang with a marshmallow in their mouth, like um, that we had different stores they had to go to. There's a little arcade, we gave them each four quarters and they had to earn 30 tickets total. And one of the kids put it in one of those claw machines and got 200 tickets and the whole group erupted. And they were like, now we can use our quarters for whatever we want.
4: That's
2: an exciting moment.
0: It was it was Children's amazing. lottery. It was so silly. We bought those huge white undershirts and just had the kids um, cut them with scissors and decorate them and tie them and wear all these funny headbands and mustaches. It was hysterical. Everyone in the town was so kind, like, um, people (laughs) were happy to participate and get out of the way. It just was really fun. But when we first put the party together, I told Henry he could invite 10 friends because I thought, okay, I can handle 10 10 10-year-olds. We wanted to do one group because I thought teams may end up with hurt feelings. So um, this is about what we can handle. And there were sort of, like, the usual suspects. And then a couple kids that I didn't know very well. Now, there's only 78 kids in his class, and I volunteer there, so I know... A lot of the kids, like I've I've almost heard of everyone, and we had one little boy come to the party who I didn't know very well, and I feel like now we've blossomed this new friendship, which is awesome, and his mom was great, so I was like, woohoo! So he invited three boys and the rest are girls. There were two girls that he invited that I didn't know very well, and like a week before the party, yeah. I still hadn't heard from them, like from their parents at all. So I texted their parents and just said, hey, I don't know if the invitation like came home or what you're thinking. I just need to prepare. And weirdly, they both texted me back with something to the effect of, we don't let our kids go to boys' birthday parties. And I was like, what?
2: Is that all they said?
0: That's literally what they texted me back. Like, we have a rule against going to boys' birthday parties. And I thought... Well, first, why would you tell me that? Just tell me they can't come. There are a million reasons why you couldn't come. So that was weird. Yeah. Two, then I start like, you know, I can't let go of these things. I just start thinking like, well, it's the middle of the day party. Like I understand if maybe we were having some kind of night thing or something Mm -hmm. in the evening. Like maybe, I mean, again, they're 10. They're obviously supervised. It's like, what is is the problem? But then I just started to get not like angry, but kind of that, that, we want boys kind of generally to be more in tune with the plight of women or, you know, other people other than just boys. Mm -hmm. But if they aren't ever friends or around them or we can't have, like, shared fun experiences, if everything has to be like, this is a boys thing, this is a girls thing, we're not gonna get there. And I just feel like I don't have girls, so maybe, I don't know. I don't know. I was really bothered by it, Zach. (laughs)
2: Would it be worth asking? Like, hey, I was just, just, just curious. Like, where you're coming from with, with your rule?
0: These are people that my son does play with at school. Like Henry, uh, it's not like he chose two random people or two very, you know, popular people. Um, I have a friend who always tries yeah. to put herself in their shoes, and so I thought, like, well, maybe they thought mm-hmm. everyone in the class was invited, and so their rule is sort of like, well, we can't do that many birthday parties. But again, I just come back to. It feels like because they told me the reason that it feels like like a slap on the wrist to me. You know what I mean? Like, how dare you invite girls?
2: No, don't. I mean, I don't want to tell you how to feel, but that's not a slap to you.
0: The vindictive piece of me is like, I hope they heard how fun the party was.
2: <laughs> Sounds anyway. like a really good party.
0: They missed out.
2: Big time. They're the how suckers. How was your
0: week, though?
2: Uh, we had two really great days this past weekend featuring play dates with multiple families each day. And that's where my story is from. We were over at a friend's house on Saturday. There's three families there, each with two kids in their family. So six kids. And Noah was really into playing with this uh, older girl who's like eight. I think Noah usually does really well with older kids. And um, they were playing jump rope and... At one point we told Noah, like, okay, now it's time to share with with this other girl, because you've you know, you've had you've had your minute or whatever, now it's her time. And and Noah just broke down. She was crying, she, you know, she she couldn't speak, she was just at a loss for words and just feeling her feelings big time. I was feeling a little embarrassed that like she lost her shit like that. I don't like to admit it, but but it's true. It wasn't entirely clear like why she was crying, but, but she was, I figured it had something to do with the sharing. She did recover, you know, 10 minutes later or something, or maybe even less than 10 minutes later and the rest of the the play date was fine. But then on the way home after she had recovered, we were listening to music in the car. You know, we weren't facing each other. She was just in her seat. I was driving and I just turned the music down for a minute and I was like, and I was just like, no, what, what happened back there? Why, why were you so upset? And she just said something, you know, like, I I felt like I didn't have a long enough turn. And I didn't want to share in that moment. And I was like, oh, my God, that's totally legit that you were feeling like that. Like, I totally get that. We didn't know what you needed or what you wanted. Because, you know, you you were crying. and, And had you been able to say that, you could have totally jump roped for another minute. And I'm sure this older kid would have understood. So I just want you to know that like, it's okay if you're feeling not ready to, to give up, you know, the thing yet, just as long as you are planning on sharing, you know, soon thereafter. And, and just, if you could, you know, maybe next time try to, you know, just express what you're feeling. She's like, okay. And then sure enough, we went to a different play date on Sunday, the following day again with an older kid, not the same kid, but another older kid who's uh, maybe six and they were going back and forth on the swing and I went over there, I could tell like that Noah wasn't quite ready to to give up the swing and I was like, Noah, um, you know, this other kid wants to have a turn. Um, can you give him a turn? She's like, how about in one minute? And the older kid was okay with that and I was like, that's great and I just, saw within like 24 hours there was some there was some emotional evolution and I was so proud of her for you know having gone through the thing on Saturday processed it a little bit later and then enacted this this uh, this pivot on Sunday I thought it was beautiful and I was really proud of her
0: that's great it's great too that she gets the like feedback right away like I when we have a talk about something I always kind of hope the opportunity presents itself again to say like I'm also going to do my part right like if you say I need another minute I'm going to help you get One more minute and then do the nice transition so that you can see. Mm -hmm. Um, That's great. Yeah. We'll see if it sticks.
2: (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. I'll report back.
0: (laughs) No, I really do think that's great. Kids are so amazing in that way, right? Like, I think the thing is sometimes we don't even catch those moments because maybe there was another moment that was sort of like, ugh. Like, how do they have to learn all this? But they do have to learn. They have to learn to ask For what they need and sometimes we as parents like step in because we see that this other kid wants to do it and we're kind of saying like be a good friend you know but the best way to be a friend is to say like well i want i need one more minute and then i am gonna play with you on the swing and i will feel like i have finished and Mm -hmm. i understand that i can go again after that you know i hope you gave yourself a pat on the back too like i was so calm
2: (laughs) i felt pretty good about that one We're going to take another break, and when we come back, we'll get into today's listener question.
4: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. At Luckylandslots.com,
1: available to players in the US, excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group, void or prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply.
2: We are back and joined by Heidi Strom Moon. She is the director of subscriptions here at Slate and is the parent to a soon-to-be college-bound kid. Welcome to the show, Heidi.
3: Thanks for having me.
2: Is this a surreal moment to have a kid that's almost in college?
3: <laughs> Very surreal. It's been a long process. I mean, she started thinking about places she was interested in back in middle school, which I thought was a little bit early, Um, but we started in earnest um, sophomore year. It's when we took our first college tour, literally the week before everything shut down in March of 2020, and it's been a two-year process ever since. It's definitely a lot more involved and challenging than it ever was when I went through this a million years ago, so (laughs) I'm really happy to be getting to the other side of
2: it. Yeah, well, we're excited to get your insight today. Let's listen to this listener question.
1: Dear Mom and Dad, My son is a senior in high school and is having a hard time deciding where he wants to go to school this fall. His mother and I have tried our best to be supportive without being too overbearing. We provided feedback on his application essays when he asked. We helped quiz him for the SATs. We went on school tours, though those were fairly recent due to COVID. He applied to most of the schools he was interested in without checking them out first. So here's our current dilemma. My son has his heart set on being an engineer and has been eyeing a top program. We knew that school would be a bit of a reach both academically and fiscally, so he was sure to apply to multiple schools. He got two acceptance letters this fall, one of which is his second choice school. It's our state school, which is somewhat close to home, and quite a few of his high school classmates will be headed there this fall. It's got a decent program, and he received a nice scholarship offer. However, his acceptance letter from his number one school arrived last week. Slam dunk, right? Well, not exactly. His scholarship offer wasn't as strong, so attending would require him to take out significantly more student loans. It's definitely a more competitive school. He'd be living halfway across the country, which didn't bother him before, but now that graduation is around the corner, he's starting to have some reservations about making new friends. What can I do to make this decision easier? In some ways, he's an adult and can make this decision on his own. But on the other hand, he's only 18. It's such a big step that will impact the next four years and ultimately his career. Was there anything that your parents did to help you come to a decision and ultimately prepare you for this transition? Thank you. Decisions, decisions.
2: How did this make you feel hearing this, Heidi? (laughs)
3: That sounds really familiar. Um, So it's (laughs) definitely a difficult decision, and I I empathize with these parents. Uh, My daughter's making a very similar choice right now. The deadline to submit your deposit to accept a spot in schools is typically May 1st or May 2nd, so it's coming up really fast. Um, So my daughter was accepted in the fall by an excellent school that's a few miles away, sort of similar situation where it's pretty close to home. She was hoping to go away, um, but at the same time, she was deferred by her number one choice which is located in another state. And she just got the acceptance to that number one choice a couple of weeks ago. And so in our case, Mm. both schools have a similar cost of attendance. So her choice is more about the other factors of the two schools. So being close to home versus striking out on your own, what the campus culture is like, internship opportunities and all those kinds of things. Um, So she made a pros and cons list for each university as a way to help her evaluate the two. And I think it's ultimately going to come down to When she closes her eyes, where can she picture herself? Like, which one Mm. feels more like her? But I also know what it's like to make a decision based on cost. Um, That was my experience when I was applying to college a long time ago. So I also had to choose between my state university, which would have cost significantly less, and a private out-of-state institution that gave me a scholarship but did cost a bit more overall. And so I sat down with my parents and we figured out what the two financial aid packages looked like and how much debt I would need to take on to go to the private school. Um, so I would strongly suggest that you start there. It sounds like you're thinking about that already but this is not a small thing. I mean, you say the loans are significant. How significant are they? How long will they take to pay off? How much does he expect to make after graduation? You know, engineering pays pretty well, so that might be part of the equation. Um, so this is a lot less fun than thinking about all of the other things that make school so exciting. Um, but as my colleague Rachel Hampton has written about and others have... Um, Taking on significant student loan debt can have serious consequences for years after Mm -hmm. graduation. I mean, so much so that the Department of Education just announced they're extending the pause on federal student loan repayments through the end of August.
0: It sort of goes beyond just do I take out these loans, right? I mean, there are real consequences to these that last far beyond these four years, which, yes, they are important four years. But are they important enough to crash the next eight years and things like, is it going to influence the type of job you can take after, you know, you graduate? Would it have been better to be closer to top of the class at a really good school that you got into versus being middle of the class at a more expensive but more prestigious Hmm. school? In our heads is like, we got to go to the best school, but there's so much out there that kind of says, it actually doesn't really matter Mm -hmm. at some level, what the name of that school is. Now, Now sometimes it does matter. We had a, a guest. It was the College Sticker Shock Edition show. And we had New York Times columnist Ron Lieber on the show to talk about his book, The Price You Pay for College. And we talked about some of these factors that like, what actually are you paying for? And I guess I kind of have a question for you about how have you talked to your daughter about this decision? Like, how much pressure are you putting on her one way or the other? How much are you leading the discussion? I, I'm really interested no. in in how that's going at your house.
3: Well, first of all, that is an excellent book. That is a book that I read. <laughs> and, and also pointing me to another book I would recommend that I think we're going to put in the show notes. I think it's called How to Pay for College. One thing I'll say, I'm sorry, it won't help this parent because they're at the end of their process. But again, I can't give them a time machine. But for anybody listening out there who's got Kids who are younger than you think you should be thinking about how to pay for college, you cannot start too soon. There are things that you can do with financial planning that make your position when you fill out the financial aid forms, the infamous FAFSA, that determines what colleges will offer you in terms of financial aid. And you can go through the exercise of figuring out what you look like in that form and what you might mm. be expected to pay long before you're in the process of winnowing schools down. So I, I would say figure out what your position is financially before you start to put together the list of schools that your kid is thinking about applying to and be really clear headed about what you can and can't afford to do and what choices might have to be made so that you've talked about that before you get to the point of they've applied to their dream school, they've gotten in, and now you've gotten this financial aid report back, and there's no way it's going to happen, and you have to have a really difficult discussion. I mean, every college website also has, I think they're required by law to have something called the true cost calculator. You have to tell people a lot of information about yourself you never dreamed you would to do a lot of these forms. And so, you can get a pretty clear-eyed idea long before application of how much you might actually be expected to pay towards the cost of the college, and so that can help you narrow the, down those decisions. Um, for us, so I've been trying not to, I've been trying not to influence her decision and let her decide for herself. And and my husband's definitely better at that than I am. I think she can kind of tell <laughs> what school it's I prefer.
0: Look, I no no shame. It's that that mom.
3: <laughs> I know. It's like, you know, it would be a dream if she, if she went there. I mean, both schools are great, but one of them's yeah, like yeah. super wow. She's really good about talking to me, and we've had a lot of conversations back and forth about how does this feel? What do you think about this culture at this school versus that one? They're, they have some clear differences, and just letting her express what she thinks about it and giving her my honest feedback, and I think that's been pretty successful. So she's away on a spring break trip this week, and I think when she gets back, we'll, we'll have a final decision. It feels like a reality game show. What, what have you decided? Hmm. Uh, and then it'll be time to put some money down <laughs> and then yeah. it gets real.
0: <laughs> then it gets real. I mean, the good news is that you only know what you decide unless, of course, you change your mind, which you can. Changing your mind is not without cost and difficulty. But also this idea that we force these 18 year olds to like make this decision we say like this is going to define the rest of your life like yeah it's important but it is not game ending important and if you get somewhere and it is a bad fit there are things you can do i think my parents did a really nice job of talking to me about good fit and not getting hyped up about what other people were doing Um, I ended up going to a women's college, which was a wonderful fit for me right next to Notre Dame. So I had kind of that big school feeling. I got to go to football games, do all of that. But I got to be in a smaller environment, which is really what I needed and allowed me to grow. And my parents never pushed that on me, but really did say like, well, what do you want these four years to look like? Like, how do you think you grow the best? What kind of ways do you want to grow? What kind of opportunities do you want? I think for the letter writer, the one thing that you can do, though, if it comes down to just, I want to go, but it feels far away. And the only reason that far away is, is obviously far away comes with financials, of traveling back and forth, you not being there um, as readily. But if the only reason is that you're worried about that, I think that is a place where you can push them and say, you are Mm -hmm. 18 and you can go experience this and you can always come back. But it might be nice to try something different.
3: I'm an introvert who went like 3,000 miles away for school. I made friends. It'll be fine.
0: (laughs) College is, that's like the beauty of college. There is someone there that you will like, <laughs> just, just keep trying to find someone. I, Zach, what are you thinking about this?
2: I agree that like, if you make the wrong choice, you can totally transfer. Like that's a very common thing. To complicate that thought though, I think back to my first semester in college where I went somewhere where most of my friends didn't go. I, I barely knew anyone at my college and I was like pretty depressed my first semester. And I think like I could have gone home, but I stuck it out. And by the end of my first year, I was so glad that I did. And so just in terms of like, yes, you can change your mind, which you totally can. I might give it a year instead of a semester, but that's, you know, completely (laughs) anecdotal, subjective advice for me. I am curious of a couple things, Heidi. One is you said your husband has been pretty good at being not too imposing with this thing like what what is it that he does well in those moments
3: i don't i guess he just has a better poker face um uh-huh. she also just i think because of the mother-daughter relationship like talks to me more so there's just more opportunities yeah. for me to share what i'm thinking and so it just naturally kind of reveals i think what my leanings might be
2: mm-hmm. how early did you start to put money away and and how did you do it if i may ask like what mechanism birth <laughs> yeah <laughs>
3: uh-huh we, we um my husband's really good about like sort of long-term financial planning and he had been aware even before we were due to have a kid that um of the state programs the prepaid college mm-hmm. programs that every state has and so that was kind of the first thing we did is when she was born i think you have to have a social security number before you can open a, an account and just started with that as like the first thing that we did
2: and then do you branch out to like a 529 or something.
3: Yeah, we did some of that too. Again, you know, she's 18 now, so we've it's been a while, but there was a, actually had a credit card for a while called You Promise. And instead of mm. getting cash back or points back, it put money towards a 529 Sally Mae. Um, so I had that card for a while. So that was another way mm-hmm. that we were oh, contributing.
2: Uh, that's really helpful. Thanks.
0: You obviously informed your daughter about some of these things, but is the messaging at school about college applications talking about how to weigh cost or how to find good fit or like, is any of that kind of education happening?
3: I mean, I think that college and career office has tried to offer a lot of different things. They mostly are arranging sort of like campus visits from different yeah. institutions. Um, the, our local PTSA arranged for a local college counselor to present a series of, it was like an eight week series that he offers as a course that people can attend and it had a lot about fit in it in the financial aid process and all of that information I found that really helpful.
0: One of the things when we interviewed Ron Lieber was talking about sort of these college visits and understanding you're buying into this environment. How important did you think though the campus visits
3: were? It's tricky because obviously that incurs expense not everyone can afford to make all these college visits I mean we were lucky that we were able to do that we had some like points that we could use and ways that we could buy plane tickets and I was glad that we were able to do that when stuff kind of reopened last summer it was good timing for us it was after her junior year and so it really helped to just like be in the city and on the campus and get a feel for the place and and really understand more about it you just couldn't have gotten from like a zoom tour or a website or whatever good luck to everyone out there it's a it is such a challenging process again it's night and day from when i went through it i mean we didn't do college visits when i was in high school i just i don't even remember that being a thing so it's i mean a lot of it's been a learning experience for us as parents too because we we can't draw on our past experience to have any kind of understanding of how it's going to work this time we had to Mm -hmm. figure it out as we went along
2: yeah well decisions decisions we hope this helped Please let us know what he decides. Everyone else, if you have a question for us, email us at slate.com. Heidi, thank you so much for joining us.
3: Thank Thanks you for having me. me. Thank you.
2: And that's it for our show. We'll be back in your feeds bright and early on Monday with some more conundrums and recommendations. Subscribe to our feed so you don't miss it. Also, if you rely on this show for parenting advice, consider signing up for Slate+. Plus. It's the best way to support this show. Members will never hear another ad on our podcast or any other Slate podcast, and you'll get bonus content on this show and your other Slate favorites. To sign up now, go to slate.com/momanddadplus. Again, that's slate.com/momanddadplus. This episode of Mom and Dad Are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson and Jasmine Ellis for Elizabeth Newcamp. I'm Zach Rosen. Thanks for listening.